Metroid Dread is finally here. You've heard me talk about it for so long, it feels absolutely surreal to say. Whether this is your first ever Metroid game, or you're a veteran of the series over the last 35 years, the Omega Metroid Podcast is the place for you. Hosted by myself, Andy Spiteri, and Code Alaski, Omega Metroid offers definitive rankings, theories and speculations, analysis of games inspired by Metroid, detailed area discussion, and so much more. We invite all Metroid fans, new and old, to take your love of Metroid to the next level with the Omega Metroid Podcast, the best and only weekly Metroid podcast on the internet. The Omega Metroid Podcast releases every Tuesday and is available wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to see you there. See you next mission. Here on ZeldaDungeon.net, my name is Andy Spateri, joined by Allison Aletha. Al, how you doing? You're a little bit tired, I assume, hey? I'm I'm recovering. <laughs> I'm tired. I stayed up late playing this game that we're going to talk about today. And also, I just want to say to everybody who wanted me to play Super Metroid and knew what was going to happen at the end, you're all in trouble. <laughs> wow. You're all in wow. trouble. And I may never forgive you. We were kind of talking about the baby Metroid and, and baby Yoda. I know. Was and that on the show or was that in Discord? That was No, that was on la, like last episode and I was talking about an octopus and you were right. It's definitely not an octopus. It's more like... No. It's not even a... It's like a jellyfish. It's this... It, uh, we'll get into it. <laughs> um. All right. So obviously, obviously guys, something major went down this weekend the first new 2D Metro game in 19 years. Te- technically, that's not true. But the first one to advance the story in 19 years dropped. Metro Dread is finally out. And um, I'm going to level with everybody listening to this Zelda podcast. We're not going to really be talking about Zelda a whole lot this week. We're going to mostly be talking <laughs> about uh, Metroid. But our hope is that because it is two people that you listeners know that are so entwined with Zelda... Uh, we are hoping that you stick around to hear a Zelda fan's perspective on Metroid. So that way, if you've never tried it, uh, you know, maybe you can consider it. Uh, I got Allison to play Super Metroid for the first time, and, and maybe she'll even get Metroid Dread. Uh, we will be talking about kind of the intertwined histories of Zelda and Metroid a little bit. But uh, this is, I'm let's be frank, this is mostly going to be a Metroid show. And, uh, you know, next week we'll get back to like the full-blown Zelda. But I mean, man, you only get a... An opportunity like this, uh, once in once in a blue moon for for a Metroid fan. So I feel like uh, I feel like we could call the audible, make the exception this week, and uh, really go all in on this topic. Are we okay to cheat like that? Do you think, Al? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think I do have a lot of thoughts as a Zelda fan for this game, things I noticed and stuff. So if you haven't ever played Metroid, I'd stick around, even though you might not have interest. I think you will. So. Yeah, let's do it. All right. And I want to mention to everyone, too, that before we get going, if you're on the fence about Metro Dread and you're just like, uh, I don't know if I want to spend 
my hard-earned money on this game, this series that maybe I've never heard of before or played before, uh, I've got the solution for you. Head on over to the Omega Metroid Podcast Twitter, at Omega Metroid Pod. There is a pinned tweet there where you can win a copy of Metroid Dread. I'm buying someone a copy of this game. All you got to do is follow the podcast and retweet that tweet. It's that simple. That is at Omega Metroid Pod. Win yourself a copy of Metroid Dread. Come and get you some. It's that easy. Uh, and I can't wait to buy someone that wins, or that, uh, yeah, that wins this contest. And if you're a Metroid fan and you win, I will encourage you, I'll give you that copy of Metroid Dread, obviously, but then if you know somebody that's on the fence about Metroid and you've already bought Metroid Dread, pass it forward, give it to them. Say like, hey, I got this, I got this free copy of Metroid Dread. Try it out. You're going to love it. So yeah, that's over at Omega Metroid Pod. Al, I think you even retweeted, so you're in the running too. Oh, okay. Sweet. I'm down. There we go. Um, Okay, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, As you guys may remember, back in E3, when I used science to prove to Allison that (laughs) Breath of the Wild 2 was going to be shown, uh, even though what was shown was fairly lackluster and not filling at all, as we've talked about many times on this podcast. But science won, nevertheless, and Breath of the Wild 2 showed up. The stipulation for me being victorious in our E3 bet was that Allison had to play Super Metroid, and she did. She pulled a, uh, not quite an all-nighter, but, I mean, pretty close. I know you'd go to bed pretty early, and you were messaging me at, like, 3 in the morning or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I I played all day Friday. Um, my plan was to play the whole weekend, and then I started playing, and like I said, we'll get into this part, but I started playing yesterday, and several parts made me extremely angry, so I went and took a break for a while, and then I came back, <laughs> <laughs> and then I came back in the evening and then played until 2 o'clock my time, So, which is fine because I like to stay up late on the weekends because I have to go to bed so early for work during the week, so it was totally fine. I was I was okay with that part. It was just the emotional uh, trauma <laughs> that I experienced throughout that, that really did me in, so... Yeah, I'm recovering. I may be a little delirious, but I have thoughts. All right. So before we get into your detailed thoughts about Super Metroid, and also I'm going to give some thoughts about Metroid Dread. I'm not going to give a lot of it away. I'm saving that for the Omega Metroid pod. But I do have some preliminary thoughts that I do want to discuss. But before we do all of that, I have for the last, I don't know, many, many years, kind of uh, had this theory fermenting about Zelda and Metroid cuz if if you look at them back in like the NES era I think that like the big 3 Nintendo games were or I guess franchises rather were Mario, Zelda and Metroid. They they all did really well on the Nintendo Entertainment System and then for whatever reason it seemed like the trajectory of Mario and Zelda went up 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 and Metroid kind of went down down down. And let's take Mario out of the equation, because obviously we know that that's like the Mickey Mouse of Nintendo, and that was always going to be, you know, a hit. But I I have some theories, but I'm, I'm curious, Allison, if you can, I don't know, nail down anything, any reasons where you're just like, this is why Zelda became the mega franchise it was, and this is why Metroid never quite got there. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about that. You know, it's kind of hard to say. I haven't played the first two Metroid games, which I think there's two before this one, right? 
And Correct. I apologize yeah. for any Metroid fans who know all this information. I, I literally don't know anything about Metroid except now Super Metroid. That's it. That's all my information. So I haven't played the first two games. And I imagine... I just... I, I imagine that at the time... It's so hard to say as a Zelda fan. I feel like Zelda would have been more compelling of an adventure. Um, maybe a little bit easier. I feel like uh, Metroid is definitely, if I'm comparing Super Metroid and A Link to the Past, which both came out around the same time, Metroid seems harder. So perhaps, you know, Zelda just seemed more compelling, a little bit easier to get through, um, more colorful, um, you know, stuff like that, that maybe it just took off a little bit more and Nintendo, you know, took that and like dug their nails in and were like, okay, we're going to make Zelda the biggest thing versus, you know, putting a lot more energy into Metroid. That's kind of all I can say on the matter with my knowledge. So I'd like to hear what your theories are. So my, my theory, and actually before we get into my theory, this just randomly popped in my head, but uh, I, I feel like it's appropriate. So I was... I was talking about Metroid to my family. We were having Thanksgiving dinner last night. We have Thanksgiving in October here in Canada. So we were having Thanksgiving dinner last night. And my brother-in-law, uh, his girlfriend is, is big into uh, video games as well. So we always have a lot to talk about. And I was talking about Metroid Dread. And I was telling him about Metroid and stuff like that. And uh, my my brother-in-law's girlfriend is like, oh yeah, that looks kind of cool. But like, man, I saw the trailer for that new Kirby game. I'm really excited. <laughs> and I was just like, ugh. Ah! <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> um but i i actually bring that up because i think that there's a point to that yeah. in that so it, it kind of like what i was saying a couple weeks ago when i cut that scathing promo on kirby i really do believe that that's true where like nintendo really knows how to promote its kind of like cutesy franchises uh mario kirby animal crossing even splatoon is kind of cutesy um it really has a knack for you know, getting the machine behind those with the the plushies and the lunchboxes and the the Mario cereal or whatever, right? Um, whereas Metroid and Zelda, like, were very, they were very different. Like, one was a space sci-fi, and then the other was kind of this like almost medieval fantasy world. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, one of them took off and one of them didn't. And for years, I, I've I've always kind of like tried to wrap my head around why that was, and I I do think that. Uh, Zelda is probably closer to that traditional, like, cutesy kind of presentation that we know um, Nintendo really favors, particularly after the Wind Waker came out, when you had that other aesthetic presentation that they could, you know, make the plushies of, make the marketing material of, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel like there is a lot of other circumstantial, um, I don't know, evidence or just happenings around them maybe that... Uh, that maybe helped push Zelda over the edge and uh, maybe held Metroid back a little bit. First and foremost, you have to realize that, like, back on the NES, I think that Metroid is in the top 10 selling NES games. I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's top 15. But, like, it's pretty high up there. It did almost 3 million units compared to the original NES Zelda. Um, again, I'm pulling this from memory, but I think the original NES Zelda did, like, 4.5. So it's it's not, like, this ginormous gap that you actually might think. So it would stand to reason that Metroid would have gotten a sequel, and it did, but it was on the Game Boy. And mm. and I feel like maybe that hurt it a little bit because uh, I think that for a long time there was a perception 
among fans that maybe the Game Boy games were were not as important or maybe they were just not worth playing because they were, you know, typically smaller scale adventures. I'm not sure. But then you go on to the Super Nintendo and you mentioned that Metroid and Link to the Past came out in and around the same time. And it's actually a lot longer in between games than you might actually think. Oh, okay. So A Link to the Past came out in Japan in 1991 and then in 1992 in North America, whereas Super Metroid came out in the tail end of 1994 and this is i'm pretty sure if the super or if the nintendo 64 had not been announced already it was being rumored and talked about so like i feel like it was already kind of living in the shadow of the n64 and then of course they skipped the the n64 metroid title whereas zelda got this i mean amazing incredible ocarina of time game and then um you know the the majora's mask mm-hmm. follow-up and on and all of that so I'm not, I, I feel like that I feel like that really kind of derailed some of the momentum that Metroid had. I think Metroid got it back in the GameCube area with Metroid Prime and and that trilogy and uh, you know you had Fusion and Zero Mission. But again, it, it never really it never really took off. It kind of filtered uh, or faltered after um, Metroid Prime 3 and then Other M came out, which was a complete disaster. And I don't know. I I, I guess my my theory I've always just thought is like Nintendo, they never really understood why Metroid fans love Metroid. And and I think that they, I think that Metroid fans love Metroid because it's not really like any other Nintendo series. Like you have um, this this awesome space-faring alien odyssey, whereas the rest of the, the Nintendo franchises are, for the most part, fairly, like I don't want to say grounded because they're not they have like talking animals and stuff like that but like they, they kind of exist within like the same kind of um universe if you will do you know what i'm trying to say i think i understand this is uh definitely visually there, there's like some common themes yeah i guess yeah exactly visually like a lot of other franchises they are much prettier to look at cuter to look at you know you kind of get a little bit of a better feeling while you're playing it um i know that some games in those series are not you know, as, as pretty, as flashy, but Metroid definitely has, like, this kind of gritty, um, you know, visual to it and feel to it, at least as, as I've seen in this, this one game alone, so I could understand, I could understand what you're saying there, and what you said about the time frame of when, um, A Link to the Past came out and Super Metroid came out, I didn't realize it was, like, basically two years apart, and I think that is probably the failing there, is they should have come out a lot closer and um and yeah because i think because of that huge gap people kind of forgot that it it was there they were kind of like oh yeah metroid's a thing coming out two years later after this amazing epic of a link to the past you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i definitely think that hindered it (laughs) so yeah i I think that the the thing that i've always kind of landed on is that I, i feel like nintendo really never understood why metroid fans love metroid and then like a lot of other circumstantial things around it and, and like some really bad timing too because there's like in in zelda you've never seen a a game freeze like you've seen in the metroid series i think the longest that we've went between like big releases was i don't know a couple years maybe maybe like three years like from a link between worlds to breath of the wild was four years and that's the longest one that i can remember and there was like Triforce Heroes in there, and there was Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD. So that doesn't even count. Like 
in Metroid, you literally have eight-year gaps where there is nothing. Like, no new games, no nothing. Um, which makes it hard to kind of sustain momentum and, and credibility, I feel like. So, anyways, those those are my long-standing theories about why these franchises never really took off, like, uh, or why Metroid, rather, never really took off like Zelda did. Which is which is funny, because, like, you, you can literally trace them back to 35 years ago this year and kind of watch the differences between them and how the trajectories, you know, kind of change and at times intermingle, but then go in opposite directions. So I've always thought that that's really fascinating because these are like, obviously my two favorite franchises ever. So it's, it's an, it's an interesting correlation. Yeah, it is definitely a thing to uh, think about. And I'm kind of, it kind of makes this year make sense. And I feel like that's going to be our next topic here. Yep. Yep. Go, well, I mean, go for it. Like, okay. Um, yeah, like the 35th yeah, com- compare anniversary. Compare Metroid 35 and Zelda 35. Yeah, exactly. I feel like this year and the the um, marketing for Metroid Dread and the announcement of it, the hype for it, the, um, the push for it on Nintendo's social media over the last few days, especially when you compare it to Age of Calamity DLC, which has been very minimal. And we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. We're like, this is kind of weird. They like used last year, they were posting something once a week and this year they're not really doing much. And I think it makes sense because maybe, maybe Nintendo knows that they've kind of been doing Metroid a little dirty and they wanted to hype it up. They wanted to give Metroid fans, you know, this big, amazing, uh, like comeback, if you will, for Metroid, you've got the game that is visually just very, great looking the from the trailers that i've seen the music looks great the tension looks great it definitely and i can't speak for the other you know handful of games in between 1994 and now but it definitely has upped its game you know effects and visual wise and then they also have like you know what a special edition release they've got amiibo they've got like all these great marketing tools on twitter and stuff i i feel like for once, you know, instead of giving Zelda all the attention like we thought they would this year, they kind of put all their eggs in Metroid's basket. And I think that makes a yes. lot of sense. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. So a long-standing uh, criticism, and actually pr- probably another reason that Metroid hasn't taken off in quite the same way that Zelda or, uh, you know, Mario or any of those guys have, is that there there's kind of like a chicken and an egg scenario where it's like Metroid games have this notion or this, I guess, reputation of not selling particularly well. And, and they don't, they don't sell like, you know, they're, it's not Pokemon. Right. Um, but it also, it doesn't sell particularly well because it never really gets a strong advertisement campaign behind it. And, and it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. Like it doesn't sell well because you don't advertise it. You don't advertise it because it doesn't sell well. Mm -hmm. So like, one of those has to change in order for it to kind of level up. And obviously the one that needs to change is you need to advertise it. And I remember when Metro prime came out, I was in a movie and I saw a commercial, like a trailer for Metro prime at the movie theater. And it was so cool. And that game sold really well for a Metro game. It's still the highest selling Metro game ever. And like, I, I think that the, the promotion for dread has finally been what Metroid fans have long craved where it's like, it really, like you said, it's like we're all in on this Metroid uh, Dread game. And, and, like, we are promoting it. Every time I open YouTube, there's a Metroid Dread ad. There are billboards. There's buses. There's, I mean, they went all in on Metroid Dread. And so there's no reason 
now for this game not to do well. And I think it's very quickly going to become the, the highest selling Metroid game. And hopefully this can like permanently level it up. But like, yeah, it's kind of funny. Cause like you look at Metroid 35 and you look at Zelda 35 and, um, you know, I, I know that we got Skyward Sword this year, which was fantastic. Uh, and I know that we got like a sneak peek at Breath of the Wild 2, which was also fantastic. But uh, I, yeah, to me, it just seems like really this has been kind of Metroid's time to shine. Ever since E3, it, it really feels like Nintendo's been all in with Metroid. There's new Amiibo. There's the, like you said, the collector edition. And like, I guess that we have, I was actually checking my Amazon account the other day. Because I was trying to track down my Collector Edition Metroid Dread, which did not ship, by the way. So I had to go up, line up, and buy one day of, which uh, I was lucky enough to get. But I also saw that I have my Zelda 35th Game & Watch on there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this thing. Do I even want this? And I actually still don't know if I want it. Because I feel like it's like 70 bucks for, for Game & Watch that I, I know that I'm never going to play. Like, Because if, if I'm going to play... Uh, Adventure of Link or The Legend of Zelda or Link's Awakening, it's going to be on the Switch or it's going to be on my 3DS. I'm, I'm not going to bust out this like tiny little Game & Watch. So I'm actually not even sure if I want this thing. It's kind of cool that they have it. But it, yeah, it, it's funny that we're talking about how these the, one of these series kind of went up and one of them went, if not down, then plateaued. But uh, now we're, we're as close to intermingling as maybe we've ever been with the series yeah so, and because uh, i mean metroid 35 has been huge yeah and uh, you know what i think you said this earlier this year that they're they're paying more attention to Ma metroid dread i just didn't understand it at the time and i i still don't quite i'm not quite at your level because i haven't played the whole series and i haven't spent years and years invested in the series like a lot of metroid fans have but I, I i understand a little bit better more like i have more context and i think that's what other um Zelda fans should understand that because I'm sure they're I mean it's been a very hot topic this year about Zelda 35th anniversary and how it's kind of fell flat but you know it's it's Nintendo's a market with very many IPs and sometimes they can't they can't concentrate on your favorite one every single time you know so I'm super excited for you and for everybody who's been like so jazzed about this game and so invested in this franchise i understand a little bit better now and i'm just super excited for you guys so i hope i hope everybody has really been liking dread and i'm i'm super excited to hear your thoughts about it because i definitely am 10 times more invested and will be playing that game soon okay so you know what uh, i was gonna save my thoughts on dread for last but actually i want to save your stuff for last because i think that's that's the real meat and potatoes so <laughs> i'm gonna give you I'm going to give you some sneak peeks at my thoughts on Metroid. Okay. <laughs> I, so I, I beat the game. I, I finished it in about 8.5 hours-ish, which does not actually take into account all the times that you die. Mm -hmm. If you play Metroid Dread, get ready to see the game over screen like multiple, multiple, multiple times. This is, I think that, that I might say that it's the hardest Metroid game. Oh, wow. It, it's, it's quite hard. And, um... Not in the sense of, like... Because I think actually Super Metroid is a hard Metroid mm. game. But more so in the fact that, like, you have no idea where to go. Whereas Metroid Dread is just hard. Like, if an enemy hits you, that's, like, half an energy tank. It's it's out the window. So, it's a hard game, but it's refreshing. And uh, so, I beat the game 8.5 hours. I went back and I got 100% items in about 10.5 hours. I'm just on my second playthrough right now. Um, there's tons of replayability. There's, like... 
a bunch of different endings. Uh, like, I don't want to say, not different endings, but like there's different rewards for different endings based on your time, based on your item completion, etc., etc. So lots of lots of incentive to play again. Um, I think that you could make a case and say that this might be the best Metroid game. I, I think that for me, I, nostalgia would probably put Super Metroid over the edge, but like this is like it was it was awesome. It was really really good. Few things that I'm gonna kind of pick apart, um, but certainly nothing that would you know cause me to say like oh this is a bad experience. Um, for I mean for the most part it was just like so so awesome and allison you get to see big daddy Kraid come back and i want to hear more about your adventures with Kraid. but i've always been a big Kraid fan ridley comes back in like every metroid game and i've been campaigning for Kraid to come back for years so when i saw him pop back up in metroid dread it was uh absolutely I, I popped off i was just like oh my god this is awesome nice. so yeah it's it, it's such a a really really great game it looks awesome it runs awesome um totally I mean, totally worth the wait. And uh, the ending was nuts. It was nuts. That's, I I mean, <laughs> I was already sold. So I'm excited. I'm not really looking forward to the difficulty because I had a very hard time with Super Metroid. And maybe I'm just a weenie or something. But, like, sometimes really difficult games just make me... It's funny because I never thought I was a rage gamer, but I very much was in the last two days. <laughs> and you know what's right. funny is, like, I, from my understanding, you were telling me that uh, Metroid Fusion, is that it, was the hardest one. Uh, no, oh, no, so other I, people I've, were I've telling heard, me that. Uh, yeah, I've heard that Metroid Fusion is, like, the hardest Metroid game. And, and I actually think that it's pretty easy but in terms... Because there's two different types of difficulty in Metroid. There's the difficulty of enemies hit you hard, and then there's the difficulty of I have no idea where to go. Yeah. Certainly in terms of I have no idea where to go, that doesn't even exist in Metroid Fusion. You always know where to go. Okay. Um, and if you're... I'd say if you're competent at Metroid, I, I think it's easy, but maybe maybe I'm just, like, super awesome at Metroid. I don't know. And you know what? I have I have a very fun... Oh, this is going to make some people mad. I have a, I have a fun hot take. Uh, later on this episode, and it has to do with that. It has to do with how efficiently you could play these games. All right. Well, Allison. Yeah. We've talked about Zelda. We talked about Metroid Dread. We talked about the intertwined histories of our two favorite franchises. As well, my two favorite franchises. <laughs> Let's finally get to it. You played Super Metroid. You ordered a pizza on Friday. Yeah. You stayed up. What? What did you think? I'm going to leave this show to you. You can kind of structure it however you want, and I can respond if you... Yeah, the ball is in your court. Tell us what you thought about playing this game for the first time, and maybe why anybody listening to this that has not played it should give it a go, and what to what to expect. Um. Okay, well, first of all, let me just throw out this disclaimer uh, once again. I apologize. I don't have that much information. You know what's funny is sometimes I watch TikToks, and I know you're not a huge TikTok person, Andy, but I, other people are. And I, I see TikToks where people are having their first reactions to things like Harry Potter, Star Wars, um, Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, how have you gone your whole life? These movies have started like, you know, Star Wars forever ago. And then Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, you know, 20, oh my God, 20 years ago. And how have you gone your whole life without knowing these spoilers? I'm, I was that person with, Met I had no idea about anything in Metroid. So I apologize. I also don't know the names of anything. So 
just keep that in mind. Andy, I might like be like, hey, I'll, what's, I'll what's this worry. wormy boss's yeah. name or whatever. I'm also going to pull up your guide so I can have some help. But <laughs> um, so there's that, you know, everybody just bear in mind and bear with me. Um, I actually really, really liked this game. <laughs> it was a lot of fun in, uh, as a whole, I would say. There was a lot of parts that I, like I said, I rage quit. Like, it, it was hard. And I do remember coming back to A Link to the Past, you know, several years after my initial playthrough and being like, this game is a lot harder than I thought. And I feel like Nintendo just went and took you know, some of the better games of these series, and we're just like, we're going to ramp up the difficulty level for you guys just to make you mad. But <laughs> I, otherwise, I um, I really enjoyed uh, getting to know this series, I guess, with this game. And I think it was probably the best game that you could have had me play for my first time in the Metroid series, because I don't know if I would have got the same enjoyment from, you know, the original Metroid or anything else for that matter because I might have been even more lost but I felt like this was a good starting point would you say this is what so, you would tell most new people to play so I, I was going to jump in quick actually because you mentioned that so I I think that there are three games that are really good entry points into the series probably the best the absolute best entry point to the series is Metroid Zero Mission Okay. And that is because uh, it's it's chronologically the first game in the series, so you have that. Not that the story... I mean, the story of Super Metroid and uh, Zero Mission are like 90% the same story. But Zero Mission is... It's quite easy. You always know where to go. Um, it, it's, a, it's just like a good little game. It's a good entry point. It's uh, The only problem is that, obviously, it's not really widely available yet. So oh, I see. You know, it's not... Uh, I guess you could buy it on the Wii U... Um, but I think that, uh, you know, nobody wants to put dust out their Wii U. Uh, <laughs> Super Metroid is obviously another excellent entry into the series. That was my entry into the series. It's probably like Metroid in its truest form. Um, it, there are some aspects about the controls of Super Metroid that haven't aged as gracefully as other aspects. And that's a lot of it's to do because of the lack of buttons on the original SNES mm -hmm. controller. And I, I'm anticipating you bringing that up later in the show when we talk about it. But um, I think that, like, in terms of, like, atmosphere, exploration, um, the bosses, and just kind of, like, learning the language of Metroid, if you will, I, I think that Super Metroid is top of the list. And, like, uh, kind of kind of on its own thing, too, but another great entry into the series would be Metroid Prime. I see. Um, and, and that one is just because it's so... Metroid Prime has the same language and it has the same DNA, but obviously it just controls a lot differently just based on the fact that it is told from the first person. So I think any of those three would actually be um, a decent entry into the series. Of the three, I think that Super Metroid is probably the most difficult. So I'm, I'm curious if like when you're, when you're saying that you found it difficult, do you mean in terms of the enemies or in terms of not knowing where to go um... or both? Uh, a little bit of both. I don't think, like, the the majority of the enemies that you see are particularly hard. It was definitely the bosses that were very difficult for me. And um, this was actually my first time using the rewind feature. And let me just tell you, I used it very heavily. <laughs> so, you got to play Adventure of Link using it. Uh, it completely changes the game. Uh, it, it really does. It's a lot gross. Um, 
so, I mean, I use that a lot, especially with the bosses, but also a couple times where I found that myself that I was lost and I wanted to sort of, so I would definitely say, um, not knowing where to go in that. I I feel like it's an odd thing to complain about because it's a game that came out, you know, nearly 30 years ago. So thank you, Super Metroid, for reminding me that I'm almost 30. And, um, <laughs> like, it's such a weird thing to complain about, but I feel like a lot of information was severely lacking in this game. And I'm sure that they've progressed since then. Like, the Metroid games are a lot more informative about the name of your enemies, the name of your bosses, then the names, I mean, the names were on, when you opened up the map of the different areas, There, the names were there, but I kind of wish there was, um, I don't know, like a sign saying, hey, this way to Brindstar, you know what I mean? Um, right. Also, the fact that if I didn't have your guide, so Andy Spateri here has written a complete 100% guide to this game. Um, if I didn't have your guide, I would not ever I would have never progressed in this game because it doesn't say once you beat a boss, like, if you consider um, a link to the past, it's like, hey, you got to go, you know, get all these talismans and then go get the Master Sword and then go and get all the, uh, go to defeat all the other eight dungeons in the game or whatever. And, and then you go fight the big bad at the end. You know, it kind of, like, guides you a little bit, whereas this game does not. It just drops you and it's like, okay, have fun, bye. <laughs> Nope. And <laughs> Welcome to Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I didn't like that. I'm sorry. I'm just not that, um, I guess, intuitive with games where I'm like, okay, I beat this boss and I got this item. I guess now I should go, you know, back up to Norfair or Brinstar and, like, go get other items or progress differently in a different area because it just didn't explain anything. So mm-hmm. I was a little bit frustrated with that, and I'm hope I'm hopeful that that is fixed <laughs> later on. Is that fixed? <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. And actually, to back up to your first point about enemy names, map names, and stuff like that, um, I think that it is kind of important to remember as well that this was when you play SNES games, that's kind of a casualty. One of the things along the years that, um, you know, doesn't come with SNES games anymore is like the manual that would have came when you bought the game or when you rented it from Blockbuster or something, you know, where it's just like, Hey, you can hold down a to dash or like, you can uh, like, this is called a gamer or this is called a, a side hopper or whatever. So a lot of that information that is in the manual isn't in like the, the, the digital game in 2021. Um, so that that is unfortunately kind of a, a thing that we need to contend with. But I mean, f- in terms of, I mean, that's that's a Metroidvania. Like it drops you down, and typically you don't really have a lot of direction where to go. Now, the thing that you need to do is really study your map and see when you if you can look at an area and you can see like I w- I advanced here, but advancement stopped. I wonder if now that I have this new item, I can advance further. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the hallmark of a Metroidvania. I will say that uh, Metroid Zero Mission, Metroid Prime, a lot of these um, newer Metroid games do kind of give you a slight indication of where to go. Like, for example, in Zero Mission, you can find a Chozo statue that will direct you to a point on the map. It doesn't say anything else, but it's like, this is a point of interest make your way here and it, and it tells you how to get there and metroid prime will do the same thing where it says like hey something is happening in this room you know two areas over and across the map 
doesn't tell you how to get there, but it tells you that this is the general direction that you need to go. Um, and that that's very much kind of the core DNA of Metroidvanias. So I want to say that it, it does get a little bit better, but also kind of sort of not. Like it, in a Metroidvania, and this is true for Castlevania or Hollow Knight or Ori, it really is up to you to like study your environment and, you know, be inquisitive to see if now that I've got the the speed booster, can I get past this area where previously I couldn't? Mm-hmm. Okay, I I can kind of see that, especially now that I know what a lot of the items and upgrades do, um, which was another factor I was frustrated with because I would get like the morphic ball and I'm like, what the heck do I do with this? Like, there's no there's no little ditty if I pause and look at Samus's suit that tells me what the heck this thing does, or the the various suit is that that's like the first suit upgrade. I didn't know that you yeah. could go into like toxic areas with that. I had no idea. I love I love that you call it the morphing ball. I take for granted like <laughs> just it's called the it's called the morph ball, but like it's called the morphing ball in Super. Oh Mario. yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to charge. I I just love that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I mean, well, for real, like there's nothing that really explains what these upgrades do, which is a little bit frustrating because I also didn't know that you could like break through walls and and I. Keep in mind, Andy, I was trying to play the, this game a lot by myself before I would go to your guide. I went to your guide, like, right. once I was lost. So right. once I actually read what the heck these things, these items do on Andy's guide, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that I could break through the wall above me with the, with the screw attack. You know what I mean? So right. I found that a little bit frustrating, and I, I guess it... For certain players, that is kind of nice because you get the freedom. I know people complain about complain about the linearity of Zelda games, but with Metroid, you kind of get to explore and figure out for yourself, you know, what these things do, what areas you can finally unlock, that sort of thing. And I, I'm, I get why players like that. For me, I'm just worried that I'm like, do I know everything that I'm actually supposed to know at this point? Is there something that I'm missing? And I will always have that fear or that concern while I'm playing the game. Because, like I said, there are some things I just didn't get. Is that also something yeah, yeah. that is, you know, improved upon later? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I, I think that's a casualty of just being almost a 30-year-old game. Yeah. But I, I actually, I totally agree with you there. I, I think that, like, as a veteran fan, like, I, I kind of take that for granted. Because I know that once I get the gravity suit, I can go in lava. And like, I, I know that once I get the morph ball, you press down twice and then you're, you're rolling along your way. But it, it really doesn't do a good job of kind of explaining how to use those properties. Um, so it, that's definitely something that like Metroid Dread, for example, will explicitly tell you like, hey, you've got the speed booster. You can do this with it. If you do this, you can shine spark. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And it, and it details you how to do that. And actually, I want to say, I don't know if Metroid Fusion does that, but I, I know that all the subsequent games, um, at least after that, will say like, this is this is how you like Shine Spark or like this is what your various suit does, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, yeah, that, that's something that I think that uh, players like me definitely take for granted. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, definitely if you're into Metroid, you you would understand those things. I didn't, so it definitely, um, as far as how I initially wanted to play this game, I kind of just wanted to get through it and get a broad understanding, but I feel like now that I understand everything a little bit better, I probably could go back and see a lot more than I saw, because 
There mm-hmm. were other things like, um, and these are these are comparable to things in Zelda games, like bombable walls, invisible walls, uh, areas yes. where you can see a hint in Zelda, and you're like, oh, I can get there. I've, I, <laughs> and it was funny because I was reading your guides, and you're like, this wall is begging to be bombed and i'm like it looks just like the rest of the walls <laughs> it looks exactly the same i have no idea what you're talking about andy spateri <laughs> so i feel like that was also a little bit frustrating where i was just like i don't know these games so how am i supposed to know that i can go down here or up here and what i liked is that in some areas you could get the map a little bit earlier and you could see oh there is a room over here so i do know that i need to go through an invisible wall here so I did right. like that, and I wish that they had the map early on everywhere, because I feel at some points I was getting the map at the end. Like, I, I think it was Norfair. I was like, oh, thanks. I got a map at the end of being done with Norfair, which I got lost in for three hours. <laughs> oh, boy. What? Uh, just out of curiosity, what was your completion time for the game? You know what? The game said six hours, but it wasn't taking into account how many times I died, rewind, I, I sat there uh, on my phone trying to figure things out. I want to say it was like 14 to 15 hours. Uh, when I So I was... Um, how old would I have been? 11 or 12 when I played Super Metroid for the first time on my SNES. I was like... 17 hours until i beat the game and i i did i wasn't even close to all the items oh yeah i I can definitely feel your pain and back then like all that existed was like a game facts guide and it wasn't very good and there was no pictures there was no (laughs) roots or nothing like that um so yeah i i feel your pain there for sure yeah and you know i i also didn't go for 100 percent. that was another thing where i started to and I was like, you know what? I have time in the future to do 100%. For now, I'm just trying to get through the game. So I got 50%. Right. So I felt pretty good about that. Um, yeah, that ain't bad. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, yeah. some things were easier to spot than others. So I, I will compare the two series and say that they have similar ideas as far as, like, secrets, how to defeat enemies, how to conserve your life, and, um, you know, ways to... Uh, prepare before a boss battle that kind of stuff it's all very similar so I was like getting all the Zelda feels while I was playing and I really enjoyed that I did uh, like a lot of the visuals the music was actually really good I really liked the music and um, I felt like the Rex ship felt very piratey and um, the, uh, Ridley's Lair felt very Hyrule Castle at the end of the game, so I knew I was getting close. So, I, I appreciated the music for what it was, and then also I appreciated some of the areas were very subtle with its music, so I was able to, like, concentrate instead of be focused on, you know, really bombastic sounds. It was more kind of in the background while I was trying to think, so I really liked that, actually. Um, Mm. but that's all, like, that's all, like, technical stuff in the game, for like the story um i thought it was kind of interesting because if you compare it to a link to the past i feel like that was when um zelda really started getting its stride as far as storytelling goes and it really had this big you know um attached story to it as well as the adventure i feel like super metroid if if i could guess that the first two games didn't have a lot of information 
it was trying to start a story and I was like oh look there's the baby Metroid I'm super excited to see him when we were talking about him last week and you know and I was like oh but is he evil you know I was kind of a little worried and you know what I, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you just for one second actually uh give my two cents on something okay I actually I think that the story of Metroid really started in, in Metroid 2 oh, okay. actually for the Game Boy because Metroid 1 was kind of your standard like the space pirates have, have got these Metroids and they are using them for evil purposes and it didn't really give you a whole lot of background information on what a Metroid was who created it uh the Chozo anything like that whereas in Metroid 2 the story is very simple it's like Samus must eradicate all the Metroids and that's your premise for the whole game but the the ending of the game which Super Metroid kind of outlines in the opening prologue mm-hmm. where the baby Metroid hatches and it's all cute and floating around Samus and it thinks that Samus is its mother that that was like very much set up the story for like you know Super Metroid Metroid Fusion and Metroid Dread in a lot of ways so like it I think it actually really started in uh, Metroid 2 okay and that's fair. I I wouldn't have known that. So um, I think that it was like getting its footing, I feel. But it wasn't, it still wasn't detailed enough for me because I was left with a lot of questions. And I think that's, that's fine because it was only the third game in the series. I think if you were a Super Metroid fan, like not like Super Metroid, Super Metroid, but like an actual real hardcore Metroid fan at the time, you were also very interested in more of the story. And maybe there was more background on uh, Samus and who the heck Mother Brain is and what the heck these Metroids are, you know, in those first three games that I don't know about. But I feel like I was, I definitely was wanting more by the end. Um, I feel like the story was mostly about (laughs) Samus and baby Metroid. So (laughs) that's kind of... Pretty much, yeah. At this point, there, there really wasn't like any indication of like who samus is what the what the metroids were who created them the chozo were very much a mystery they still very much are a mystery actually um but yeah it's it's really you nailed it this game is really about samus and the baby metroid okay for sure i like i i thought that when i first played it i thought that the opening prologue really gave me everything that i needed to know yeah um and i felt fine playing like this without having played metroid or metroid 2 back in the day like the first time that i ever played super metroid yeah and i agreed like the summary i did say that on my notes that the summary of the first two games was nice so i appreciated having that i just was um i think by the end i was like okay i really want to know what samus's story is i'd like to know her lore right i'd like to know if she's like super powerful and the suit enhances her or if the suit is like where most of her powers are and you know what's funny is I talked to my brother Shad who likes – I don't think he's played Metroid, but he's into, like, the lore and stuff of it. So I was talking to right. him last night after I finished, and he told me a little bit of information, and I was just like, what the heck? And it made me, like – you know, it made me a little bit more invested. So by the end, I was like, I really, really want to know more about this whole series, this whole franchise, the story. So – for this singular game, I did like its story, especially be, and I think everybody knew I would because it's got a baby Metroid, and y'all know I love Baby Yoda and Baby Guardian, and <sighs> so <laughs> I was invested in saving poor Baby Metroid from this giant pterodactyl thing, and <laughs> which I know is Ridley, but <laughs> that's when I first saw him, I was like, what is this ugly pterodactyl mother doing with my baby metroid <laughs> takes my baby metroid away i gotta go save it so that's what i was doing 
and I thought it was super cute because it was a bounty hunter going to save a little baby alien. So, of course, being a huge Mandalorian fan, I loved it. I ate it up. So, I, I enjoyed the story, especially at the end because I got super invested when I saw my baby Metroid had been huge. And I'm going to post my notes for everybody. I have to, I'm going to have to redact some words, but... <laughs> Maybe uh, maybe get that that filter out yeah. to make it make it a little bit blurry. I showed Andy. I was like, "This is how I'm doing." <laughs> um, oh man! But yeah, so towards the end, I was getting excited because yes, I'm gonna save my little baby. You know, jellyfish. He's so cute. And then it turns out he's really big now, and he's like sucking the freaking energy out of all these aliens and attacks me. And I was like, "No, baby Metroid, I'm your friend." And then he realized who I'm just assuming it's a he, realized who I was and, like, was sad and ran away. And I was like, it's okay, I forgive you. And then, of course, you get to the end of this game, and I hate all of you for doing this to me, but Baby Metroid saves you from from Mother Brain. And I was like, oh, yay, oh. he saved me. And then he, Mother Brain kills him. <laughs> Not only does he save you, he gives you the power yeah. to be... He, you're, you're, so, to set the scene for anyone that's not played this oh, game... Oh, yeah, spoiler we, we alert just, for this 30-year-old game, yeah, by just, the way. We just full-out <laughs> spoiled the ending of Super Metroid here, but also, whatever. Um, so, Mother Brain has nailed you with... Uh, we call this in the Metroid community, the murder beam. <laughs> the murder so, beam. You, are, you are just, like, completely blitzed. You're down. You, you can't move. You're getting pelted by all of, like, Mother Brain's grotesque stuff she's hurling stuff at you and just when she's about to murder beam you again the baby metroid comes in and the baby metroid by now is ginormous Huge. and actually uh is called the super metroid which is actually the reason why the game is called oh, you know, super metroid. okay uh, I, I i mean that's probably not true it's called super metroid because it was on the super nintendo but you get the idea <laughs> so it sucks the life out of mother brain gives that life energy to samus samus has the hyper beam but as it's doing so as it's protecting samus mother brain extinguishes the baby metro oh i was so and it, and sad it's super sad i was so sad yeah. at 1 30 in the morning and <laughs> i think that this is like it, it's such a simple story like i i would say that super metroid has like um and in like an amazing story in the sense of like the overall narrative is like it there's this big mystery or like something to unwrap. like i think that the planet tells the story and the atmosphere tells yeah. the story but like this scene, man, it's so good. It's so simple, but like it's it's just like it's so heart wrenching to to see that. Uh, so yeah, uh, fantastic. Yeah, great. And stuff. I kind of wish I had seen um, a little bit of the end. I'm guessing of two, where you first find Baby Metroid and Baby Metroid thinks Samus is its mother. So I kind of wish I had seen that. But even still, not seeing that, I was super invested in the story. And it just, it just destroyed me because I was like, <laughs> this is... can I break your heart even more? Yeah. <laughs> so in Samus Returns, spoiler, oh, no. but at the, at the, no, 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 this is good. At the end of the game, um, where Metroid 2 ends, the baby Metroid pops out and the game is over. In Samus Returns, which is a remake of Metroid 2, uh, the baby Metroid pops out and actually you then play the rest of the game. There's like a bunch of other secrets and stuff. And there's a, another boss, an extra boss, but the baby Metroid floats around you for the remainder of the game and helps you acquire some of like the remaining power-ups and stuff. It's super awesome. Cause like 
you get to play with the baby Metroid around you. You, you have like this rapport. It, it, it deepens your relationship and it enhances Super Metroid retroactively. So oh. like, it's so good. So it would just destroy me even more if I... <laughs> yes. Yeah, because you get to play with the little babies, just like this little squishy Metroid. He's super cute. Yeah, it's, it's devastating. I You know, if anybody out there knows where I could find a baby Metroid sticker to add my sticker collection, because I've got some baby Yodas and I got some BBG, but I need, I need baby Metroid now, so hit me up if you all know where one is. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it was so heartbreaking, and I was ready to destroy that bee, and I did, thank God, and <laughs> I completely was just like screaming at her at the end, and the uh, mother brain, and and then I had to escape, and I thought that part was cool because it was reminiscent to me of Ocarina of Time, so it was kind of dope. It was a long way to go, though, so I got lost and definitely blew up my first time, but then I just rewound and redid it, retracked my steps, and got to my ship, and... And, you know, that's how the game ended. So, overall, like, if I took out all the parts that kind of annoyed me, um, even the parts that, like, made me rage quit, I felt like this was a super solid game. And I it, it helps me feel a little bit more invested in the series as a whole, for sure. So, I, I want to hear about those rage quits. Though. Like, where, where did you get that you were just like, ah, I'm not playing this anymore? Okay, um... First of all, this game doesn't explain anything to you, Just if I haven't said anything <laughs> uh, about that before. But you know what's so funny is video games have taught me that I need to be prepared for boss battles. I need to go in with full health. I need to go in with full armory. And I need to be prepared to avoid all hits, all everything. And I feel like there are three points in this game where you it you're not supposed to do that. You're like... It wants you to get to the brink of death or at least get to a point where you think you're going to die because that's how okay. you progress. And I didn't know that. <laughs> so my first instance would be Ridley. Oh, oh let me – that was like a solid three hours of fighting that guy total. Okay. I started in the morning and I had so many missiles, so many super missiles, all of these, like, what, the mega bombs? Is that what they're called? Power bombs. What is that? Power, Power bombs. bombs. Thank you. I, I was yes. just like, how is this guy? And you know what's funny is, like, when I figured out the secret later on, I was like, I bet you I beat Ridley at least seven times, at, like, throughout that whole time that I was fighting him. Because what you're supposed to do is let Ridley pick you up. When he's at zero damage, which you don't know, by the way, because then he kind of sinks and blows up. I, what? How was I supposed to know what? that? You, you don't have to. Yes, do you do. Are, are you talking at the beginning? No, at the end. Of the game? The, when you fight at him the, the second time. I don't think that's accurate. I mean, I, don't I think he picks you up. I had to look it up. I had to look it up because I was just like, how is he not dead? How have I shot him 17 million times? And he's red as my freaking face right now. But <laughs> but he's not dead. I'm calling shenanigans on that. You don't have to let Ridley pick you up so, in order for him to die. When I looked up playthroughs and I looked up different like tricks, I was like, somebody help me. It said that when he's at zero, he'll still attack you unless he picks you up. And then he sinks. He kind of can't carry you to the top like he normally does and he blows up 
Uh, I'm going to call shenanigans on Okay, that. somebody can correct me, but that's how I finally beat him. I, I, okay. I did the 20. I finally found out that you could do 20 supercharged plasma shots, and then I let him pick me up, and then he sank and died. And I was so mad. I was like, I bet you I killed him a million times and had him at zero, but I didn't let him pick me up. So, cause I was like, uh, I, can't, I can't be picked up. I'll die. Ah, uh, no, I, I'm gonna call shenanigans on that. Okay, but oh, okay. You look that up and tell me. You tell. You tell me. I, I, I don't need to look it up. I've, I've smoked Ridley, and he doesn't pick me up. Maybe you have more like missiles than I do. <laughs> I did. Uh, that, that could very well be because usually, uh, the last couple times I fought Ridley, I've had like basically every missile in the game at this point because I've been doing my hundred percent guide. So. Yeah, I, uh, but I think even with, like, the plasma shot, I mean, it, whatever, it doesn't matter, but, uh, I, I'm calling shenanigans on that. I'll, I'll, when I get my new computer and finally have access to be able to stream, I'll stream it and I'll show you. Okay, I would like to see a different way to kill this guy because if that really is how you're supposed to do it, how is anybody supposed to know that? Because I was so close to dying so many times that there wasn't a point where I ever it, wanted him to touch me. You, it's not. Okay. Yeah, it's not. Well, that's okay. how, that was my impression while I was playing. Anyways, continuing on to things that you're never told, I thought I was supposed to avoid Baby Metroid when you first see him again, and he's huge, Super Metroid. Um, I was like, I kept trying to go away, and every time I got caught, I was like, okay, I'm going to die, so I'm going to rewind. And I was like, I, right. can't, <laughs> I can't progress. I'm not fast enough to avoid him. So I finally it was just like, F it. I'm going to let him kill me. And then, of course... That was the point. He was supposed to notice you when you had right. like one health left. So <laughs> how was I supposed to you know, know that? And you actually you can avoid him, but you have to be like really, really good. I don't think I've ever done. Oh, it. okay. Interesting. It, it's possible. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Well, there you go. And then also the murder ray. I I I kept trying to rewind so I would not get attacked by that, but I was like, I swear to God, it hits me no matter where I am. So I would rewind every time I got hit, and in my brain, I was like, if I get hit by this, I'm going to die. No. It's just I get a certain amount of health taken away, and then Baby Yoda comes, or Baby Yoda, Baby Metroid comes and saves me. Baby Yoda flies in. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. With a lightsaber, just chops her head off. And like, <laughs> um, Okay, I, I can see those, but I, I also, I'm going to defend my game here a little bit, whereas... It, obviously when you play it without the rewind yeah you you get the you know the intended outcome right but i i can certainly see that for sure yeah and i i totally understood that uh after the fact but of yeah, yeah you get it after but <laughs> <laughs> but of course i'm over here and with my brain being you know uh like with my brain being taught by video games that I'm not supposed to get hit, I'm not supposed to get to low health because I'm going to die, I was doing everything in my power, including the rewind feature, not to. So it was just kind of interesting that there were points where I was supposed to, and I was just like, oh, okay, I don't know why I'm trying so hard. <laughs> why am I being so extra with this? So, um, right. And everybody who's listening is probably just rolling their eyes like, Allison, it's not that big a deal. Like, if you played the original, obviously it wouldn't have been like that at all. But I didn't play the original, so. No, I, I get that. Like, I, I actually totally get that. I, I probably would have rewound too, if I, especially if it's like, oh, my God. Like, I haven't saved in a while. I'm going to die. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, there, those were Ridley obviously was the most frustrating, especially if I have no idea the real way that you're supposed to beat this stupid pterodactyl dinosaur dragon mother effer. So did you try the shoot him a lot method? Yes. Y- yes. Okay. Like, cause that, that's the secret. You shoot him a lot. I, I love, I love that fight. It's like, it's such a brawl. Like there really isn't a secret to it. It's like who hits harder, who hits faster. Mm-hmm. And like. You can, it, it, anywhere on his body except for his tail mm-hmm. takes damage. Um, I, yeah, I just, I love it. It's just like such a, it's such a brawl. Like that's the best word for it. That's one of my favorite boss fights like ever, actually. Really? What? I don't think it should be oh, that hard. Oh yeah. I don't think it should be that hard at all. Um, I mean, I understand like if you're going to shoot it a million times and he dies, great. But I had a hundred missiles. I had, uh... Uh, I can't remember how many, maybe 50 super missiles and at least 15 super bombs, whatever they're called. And um, I was just like, there, what? It doesn't, and plus all the charged plasma shots. I was just like, there's no, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I know I haven't gotten all the upgrades at this point, but I shouldn't have to, to beat this boss. You shouldn't have to. You know what I mean? So I, I thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, that was a, that was. I'll, a, I'll show you how it's done next time that uh, please do that, because... that we see each other. <laughs> so what did you think of uh, the rest of the bosses? Oh, the rest of the bosses were cool. I <laughs> spending all this time on the any end. of them. Any of them like um, stand out? Um, I thought that. Ooh, what was in my notes? Where is that guy? What is that guy's name? Ba- uh, Baltoon. He looks like Moldorm. He looks like Moldorm, and he gave me Vlogia vibes too. So I was like, "Oh, this is kind of like cool." Yeah. I was like, "Ooh, this is very Zelda." So I was, I was down for that. Um, I like the the golden, uh, the statue. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, I like those fights. Those were kind of cool because those felt very pattern. You know, I'm I'm seeing the pattern. Here's what I'm avoiding. Here's what I'm hitting. I I like the flow of those both of those fights very well. Right. Um, I don't remember the other guys' names, but they're all ugly. <laughs> oh yeah, all it's of them. just kind of funny because you, I can picture Zelda bosses so clearly, even in the two D Zelda games. They just have very distinct, simple designs, whereas these guys look like just balls of mush and grossness. <laughs> Except for the worm guy, I was like, oh, he's clearly a worm. <laughs> You know, it was kind of hard to distinguish features on these bosses, which I just thought was funny. Um, the plant one that floats back and forth. What's that guy's name? Spore Spawn. He reminded me of Head Thwomp, uh, the Thwomp Head guy in the Oracle games for some reason. Just kind of gave me those vibes. Uh, just, I don't know why, just okay. kind of the way he moved and you were waiting for a certain point to hit him. But I like that fight. It was a little bit easier than some of the others. And yeah. I'm trying to remember um, some of these other guys. Let's see. Dragon. Drake. So did you use the uh, the easy method to fight Dragon yes, with the grapple? Beam? I did. So yeah. I was struggling with Dragon a bit. Oh, God. Dragon's ugly. I just looked him up. He's so ugly, but um, uh, I I was trying and I was struggling, but then I looked up your guide and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool because I like it when you have a boss fight that has like such an easy answer and it's kind of like cool and you one shot them like uh, 
Callie Deimos and Wind Waker, you just, you know, pelt him with some forest water and he's dead. So that was kind of a similar idea with Dragon. I liked him, but it was kind of sad. His little baby's like floating down like, oh, dad, you're dead. So that was kind of sad. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt really bad for Crocomire, like the red, uh, I don't know, you call him like a, like a crocodile i guess basically uh-huh. but like when he goes into the lava and he literally his skin melts off of his bones i was like bro oh Poor my guy. god i felt so bad for him i i liked the crocodile fight and in, in that it was different in that i was like doing a lot of damage and i was like why isn't this guy dead yet until i figured out that he's pushing me to the wall i need to push him back so i kind of liked how right. different that was um yeah oh it's a great fight i just feel bad as his flesh is sizzling <laughs> off of his bones yeah you want you, uh, you think like, you think zelda boss bosses are dramatic when they die you know like uh oh god why am i having such a hard time i always have a hard time with names but the eyeball in skyward sword like he just screams bloody murder yeah. when he dies but then you've got <laughs> got poor croc over here he's just melting <laughs> that's oh, not funny man. why am i laughing but yeah for the most part I thought the bosses were difficult, but fun. Like, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed... It was like when you die a bunch to a boss, but you you understand better the next time you come in, and you're like, okay, here's what I'm going to avoid. Here's what I'm going to do. And that's why I hated Ridley so much, because I I just didn't, I didn't understand what I was doing wrong after hitting him so many times. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to come back with, like, after 100%ing at, to that point with Ridley and just destroy him like like you do so i don't know something about that just was so not okay with me <laughs> all right any uh any other thoughts you had playing super metroid i was i was anticipating you bringing up the controls for the super missiles oh the super missiles uh so essentially when you this is i think the thing about super metroid that has aged like the least well that's that wasn't the best way to say that but like the thing that has aged the most poorly i think is the way that you switch between missiles super missiles the grapple beam and x-ray scope yes because like essentially you just have to cycle between select to do that whereas in future metroid games even in metroid fusion you basically you hold r and your beam turns into a missile which is you know obviously a casualty of not having the you know proportionate amount of buttons on the super nintendo controller but uh, I was anticipating you bringing that up and saying that it was frustrating. I mean, I do have it in my notes. It's just that there's so much in my notes. This is a whole game, you know. It's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to talk about everything in you know 30 minutes. But yes, the controls. Uh, let's let's keep going. I'm in this for the long haul. <laughs> uh, the controls were a little. Uh, I mean, you know what? I'm pretty sure I broke my pro controller. <laughs> so I was playing. Oh, no. I was playing this on the pro controller, and my um, right thumb is a little bit sore, but. Um, I was very frustrated um, with a lot of the mechanics and the controls, and I wondered if I was just really, really bad at this game. But yeah, like the switching between the weapons, I, I kind of like gave that some grace because I was like, this is a 30-year game. There are worse ways of switching through items in Zelda, you know, in the various Zelda right. games. So I was like, I'm giving this some grace, and that's kind of how I thought about it. And it's kind of funny because I just came off of playing Portia for several weekends, and in Portia you just press, uh, I think it's either R or the D-pad buttons to move between your items. And I was just like, that would be an easy fix. Like, just do put, put the D-pad as your, 
you know, switcher and it'll just switch through the items and be no big deal. So I was like, I'll just give, I'll give that some grace. But like wall jumping, uh, wall jumping was a whole hot mess for me. Um, especially when you have to wall jump at certain points. And I was just very frustrated because I don't know. I felt like it should have been Mario like with wall jumping where you kind of like grab the wall and can jump. But no, you literally have to be spinning, which I still can't figure out how I exactly was doing that because at some points I thought you had to be jumping farther to one side to do it. But there was sometimes where I was like barely touching the the sideways buttons and was able to spin. So I don't know. Right. And um, you have to be spinning and you have to be touching the wall and go directly the opposite direction. Opposite. Yeah. And with um, this is why I was wondering if it was easier on the the original controls because with the pro controls, I don't know if anybody's noticed this while playing Breath of the Wild or any other game. The 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 uh, D pad and the joystick they're finicky. Like the hit boxes on those. You could be pressing sideways, but it's going to activate your runes in Breath of the Wild instead. And I'm like, no, I don't want runes. I want <clears throat> something else. So I knew that was my problem. I knew that my directions were not as precise, even though I was going left or right. You know what I mean? You know what? You asked me before the show um, if, if I thought the SNES controller was easier and actually i i'm gonna actually change my answer because i i think i said i hadn't played it on the snes in a while but when i play super metroid on the switch i actually typically i don't use the joystick i i use the buttons yeah. instead to move yeah um particularly because it, it more resembles a d-pad in that like if you try and wall jump with the with the joystick it certainly is a little bit tougher because you want to be pressing directly opposite when you wall jump yes. and i think that with a lot of people, me included, a lot of people's um, instinct when they're performing a wall jump is to tilt it the opposite direction, but also upwards, because that's the direction that you're headed, mm -hmm. is you're trying to go up. So I think that um, I think that having the like the the buttons kind of as a replacement for the D-pad is certainly easier. But I, I think that it's also just like practice and getting used to it, um, because I don't think that there's any point in Super Metroid where like, you have to wall jump. I, I don't think so. But if you can, then you can like you can actually wall jump straight up. So you can jump curve and then hit the same wall and just go like right up. I I use this pretty extensively in my guide uh, for yeah. some early items if you can get it. So like once you can get it, it's like super super satisfying. But it, it certainly does take a little bit of practice and i i think i will say that i i want to say wall jumping gets a little bit easier in fusion and zero mission and dread but it doesn't have the same kind of like it doesn't have the same versatility in super metroids so like when you wall jump in those games you you jump the opposite direction and you go like hard the other direction so there's no chance that you can bend your jump up and oh, then yeah. jump on the same wall and go up whereas in super metroid a lot of people say that super metroid is like a very floaty game and I, tech, I guess that's true, but 
since I played Super Metroid first, I kind of think that the physics of that game are the standard, and like these other games are kind of just like heavy. Oh, so take that for what you will. I see what you're. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, to go back to the the D pad thing, I I definitely realized it was easier. But like I said, the D pad on the Switch Pro controller, I don't. Maybe it's different on the Joy-Con. It's just finicky. Like I could be pressing left, but it thinks I'm pressing up. So it's just it's dumb, and some some people, especially in my streaming circle, know what I'm talking about. So there's that. Um, but as far as the floaty thing, I totally get that because there are tiny AF platforms on this in this game that you're trying to land on, especially if you're running, you know, for your life, like at the beginning and the end of this game, and you're like over here spinning and floating through the air, and I'm like, no, I just want to kind of jump on this one platform here, and it's super small, and I'm gonna miss it because I'm spinning all over the place, you know. So I kind of get that, and it actually makes me happier that it's a little more heavy when you're you're in the air. I kind I kind of like the the thought of that going forward. So, right, I'm okay with that. I, maybe I'm just in, you know, maybe you guys are just way better at wall jumping than I am. I just for some reason I'm used to like Mario wall jumping. I'm used to Sheik wall jumping in Smash Bros, and that's just it's a little bit more graceful to you than <laughs> then you need to press directly across and jump I was just struggling with that a lot um so I think those the wall jumping was my big issue there is a part I I think I want to say it's in Meridia or whatever where you do have to you, like you have to wall jump up this cliff like there's at least one that I know there's no way to go around it you just have to and I was like ah if I'm gonna be here forever and I was um but aside from that, I was okay for a lot of the stuff. I really liked the speed boost. I think that is the most satisfying part of that game. Oh, so it good. Was, it's really cool, and you just blow through walls and enemies, and I thought that was just awesome, and I loved using it. it, it did you Did you ever learn how to shine spark? I actually didn't. I skipped that. Okay. I, there. That is That is satisfying, is when you shine spark and, like, you're flying like a like a bullet at people, and then you just like poof, crash through something, and oh, it's so. Awesome. I kind of wish there's tons of like really awesome Shine Spark puzzles in the series. Yeah, I kind of wish that that was like more of a mandatory thing, but I think at that point of the game, I was like, okay, I really need to keep going here and like get to the end at least, and I'll come back and do these things later. So I totally skipped that one because it was right. optional. Um, I also like. <laughs> The super bombs? What are they called? Why do I keep forgetting what they're called? Power bombs. Power bombs. I like those. Those are cool. They kind of give me... I just am so bad at uh, names. But they give me the Boba Fett and Jango Fett bomb vibes. Those really cool sonic bomb things in Star Wars. They kind of gave me those vibes. And I, I really I really dug that uh, that item a lot too. So there was definitely stuff I really liked. As far as controls and items and upgrades, but you know, obviously there was stuff that I didn't like. So <laughs> right. I was trying really hard okay. to be graceful with my thoughts about it because I knew it was a thirty-year-old game. Uh, okay, well, you're you're in charge here. Any other notes you wanna you wanna bring up, talk about, or um, oh, the room getting up to Mother Brain is unnecessary why why is why does that room the one where every all these projectiles are coming at you and you have to waste all your missiles on these like red wall things what 
Zbestiates is what they are called, and the Rinkas are what is shooting at you. That yeah, that's actually so that sequence is the ending of the original Metroid game. Really? Yep, that's that's the final boss, is that sequence in that room where you have to and you have to strike the the red barriers like quickly or else they regenerate. Oh. It's super, super tough. Is that what was super happening tough. to me? Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> There's a really awesome skip actually that you can do. If you can kind of glitch your way past the first red barrier, um, the, the, the one after it only populates after the one in front of it is destroyed. So if you can skip past the first one, none of them actually populate. Oh. So you can just go right to mother brain. Okay. Interesting. Um, I thought it was unnecessary and stupid and I was mad because by the time I got to, and you know what? I realized now that there was a point to that room, but getting up to mother brain, I was like, this is my final boss fight. Why the heck is this room exists where it's just trying to get me as low health as possible before I fight the final boss. Like this is just so stupid. Well, that's, that's the final yeah. boss. That room. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it makes sense now knowing that you're supposed to be hit by the murder ray and almost die in order for Metro, a baby Metroid to come save you. Like, I get it now. But at the point, I was at, well, at the time. To, to be fair, actually, to be fair, if you have low enough health and you're hit by the murder ray, like, you're toast. Yeah, dead. So you, you got to have a number of health to survive the murder but, ray. And all the debris that comes to you after, for that matter. Yeah, but the thing is that most people at this point if you're a completionist probably have several energy tanks i didn't i had like five or six so i was struggling (laughs) i just thought that room was so stupid um um aside from that i i i i like the idea of completing this game 100 percent. i think it's uh doable makes a lot of sense you know getting all the upgrades so that you have the max amount of weapons i think that that is you know when you compare it to something like 900 core oxides i feel like that is very doable and and like a good choice it was right. solid and i will be doing that at some point um but aside from that that's a lot of what i have on my notes though my notes were kind of all over the place and i apologize if i was all over the place explaining this game <laughs> All right, so so let's bring it home here because uh, I don't know if we have any Zelda fans that are still listening to this Metroid podcast in, in disguise. But <laughs> uh, you're you're a long time, you're a lifelong Zelda fan. You're playing Metroid for the first time. Would it, it, would Zelda fans like this, or is this too different? Or I guess any any final thoughts you have, share away, and then let's get out of here. I think that oh, and I have to say my hot take too. We'll we'll end with that. That's a fun thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, for, I almost forgot about that. I'm ready for this. I don't know if I'm going to like it. <laughs> I, I feel like either it'll be like, oh, whatever, whatever she said, but or people will be mad, so we'll see. Um, if you're a Zelda fan, I feel like this has enough Zelda elements that you'll enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's definitely harder than Zelda, so if you want a challenge, you should play this game or the, this series, because it kind of sounds like uh, other Metroid games are also just as difficult, if not more so. Um, the boss fights, you know, it, it very much feels like you're playing Zelda where you go through an area, you find secrets, you find items, you defeat enemies, and then you get to a boss fight and you beat the boss and you go back with your new items and get some more secrets and some more power-ups and more items. And then you go beat the next boss until you get up to the big bad at the end in which you're saving something, whether it's Zelda or baby Metroid. 
I, it's very much the same formula. It's just a different, you know, coat of paint and a little bit harder. Um, I, I think there are definitely parts where people have difficulties in Zelda and they've rage quit and been upset by certain bosses or whatever. And this is very much the same. Like, it's the same thing, just space and a lot grittier and darker and cool music. Very atmospheric. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I think that's the that's the greatest thing about Metroid, I, I feel like, is its atmosphere and just that sense of isolation and hopelessness on this lost alien planet. Like when you when you first start off Super Metroid and like you're in Criteria and like the rain is pouring uh-huh. and there's that ominous music. I mean that's just great stuff. Yeah. I like that part. I like that stuff a lot too. So I, I think that if you haven't if you haven't dipped your toes in the Metroid yet, like me. I think you'd be fine if you did. And maybe you'll be like me and have more interest in the rest of the series and um, possibly getting into it in the future. All right. All right. Are you ready for my no, hot let's, take? Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> if you enjoy this hot mess of not knowing where to go, going back and forth, going, it's just trying to figure out where to go to next, using items to progress further in and this is hard like this is this is difficult if you are like me and you're just trying to get through the game and not really want to think for hours and hours on end about it um it's difficult but if you like that i feel like you have nothing to complain about with tower of the ocean king i don't know why any of you are complaining if you like this (laughs) wow all right all right allison aletha my friend you know what? You know what? Uh, a few differences are between Tower of the Ocean King and the world of Super Metroid. Let me tell you something. First, the world of Super Metroid is ginormous and is not this one tower with this very small box of floors uh, that you have available to explore. Second, the world of Super Metroid is diverse with different music, different areas, different environments, whereas the Tower of the Ocean King is the same purpley blue tiles and walls for the entire time um third <laughs> i i don't i don't know that that is necessarily i can see the crux of your point actually so i'm not going to completely rip it but i think that there's a big difference between exploring the whole world and that diverse biosphere versus getting into a zelda world and then being forced to come back to the same place over and over and over which you do i mean technically you you do that in metroid as well but like it's not like you go back to the same spot in brinstar six times and progress on that one wall further typically if you get an item at point c you can go back to point d and then explore that area fully and then you're done with that area but i mean i, I, I know get... I, I can see your your the genesis of your yeah points. and i know there's differences i understand that i'm not saying they're the same i'm just saying there's a lot of backtracking in Metroid. It's kind of frustrating. Like, I'm just like, I really don't want to go through these same rooms over and over and over again. And here's why I think, this is why I compared him. I was like, I bet Andy Spiteri over here, who is very efficient at this game and knows it like the back of his hand, doesn't have the same problem that I'm having because I don't know this game at all. Where I'm backtracking, I'm going in circles, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. It's getting kind of boring at this point. I would like to progress. Whereas me, with the Tower of the Ocean King, I know how to get through it quickly. I know how to get through it efficiently. And you've got people who are complaining because they have to come back to it 
backtrack, come up back with new items to go a different route through the floors. Um, you know, and I just think that the premise is similar. And if you like the harder version of that, you would be just fine in Tower of the Ocean King and not really have an issue. I can respect what you're saying, definitely. Um, I, I and I don't think that that's wrong either. Whereas, like, if you know how to efficiently do it, then um, you know it, it's really not that bad. I think it just comes down to, like, like what I said earlier. Like, the planet Zebus is this incredible biosphere of different atmosphere, music, areas, and the Tower of the Ocean King is the same generic music with the same color walls and the same color floors. And the same ugly DS graphics of Link that is, like, squished down. So that that's where the difference therein lies. Like, when I played Metro Dread, I was backtracking all over the place because I didn't know where to go. But I, I really enjoyed that. Whereas, like, I don't know. Even with, like, Tower of the Ocean King, it's not like you backtrack necessarily. It's just like, oh, God, I have to do... I have to redo this stuff. Whereas, like, in Super Metroid, if you, if you finally get a super missile and you blast open that green door... It's not like you have to re-blast it with a super missile every time. I, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I just feel like, I don't know, like if you are okay with this, then maybe Tower of the Ocean King should be cake for you. And you, like it shouldn't be that big a deal. I don't know why you're complaining. I like Tower right, of the Ocean well... King a little bit better sometimes. <laughs> wow. Just at some point. Well, that, that's that's a, an ice cold take. <laughs> right there that's a that's a lifeless corpse tape that's been hidden in a freezer for well, anyways that's, that's neither here nor there um all right well thank you al for uh for sharing your thoughts on super metroid with with me and with us and thank you guys for for sticking around for this not really zelda episode but man i felt like it was such an important uh time in this series that uh, I just, I really wanted to talk about it and maybe talk about some Zelda intertwined with that as well. But that is neither here nor there. We are going to get out of here. I want to remind everybody that if you want to win yourself a copy of Metroid Dread, head on over to Twitter, at Omega Metroid Pod, follow the podcast and retweet the tweet, get you some Metroid Dread. Uh, and of course, while you're over on Twitter, follow me. I am at Spateri316 and follow Allison at Allison Aletha. Uh, we are out. We want to encourage everybody to get, uh, get on over to Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe to the Champions Cast. And we will see you all next week. Take care, everybody.